Yep. <clears throat> well, all right. Well, let's get us a song book to stand together. Let's get us a song book to stand together, and let's turn to 
Try to try to make more church services this year than we have in the past. Try to pray more. Have a better prayer life. Try to read your Bible through this year. Uh, there's lots of goals we can set this year that are not that hard to do and are so rewarding. So I, I urge you this morning to think on those things. If you're thinking about resolutions, diets, and all that, that all fades. I don't usually last too much, but you can you can you can get you can get your relationship with God better. It just takes it just takes a committing yourself. Uh, any prayer requests this morning? Yes. Yes, Miss Nail. Yes, Miss Charlotte. Yeah, Miss Charlotte's sick this morning, but uh, I, wanna, I know she's probably listening in this morning. I want to tell her happy birthday. We, she's not in here in person to sing to, but but happy birthday, Miss Charlotte, if you can hear me. And uh, today is her birthday, New Year's New Year's baby. So happy birthday to her. Anything else from anybody? Any other prayer requests? All right, we need to we need to just remember our community in prayer. Uh, there's a lot of people that spent last night trying to drink themselves into oblivion. Uh, for what reason I don't understand. And this morning they couldn't they couldn't get up and come to church. And I, that's some people they couldn't get up and come to church because they drank last night. You know, we need to pray for those folks this morning. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to bless us and meet with us this morning. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. All right, turn to two forty six, two hundred and forty six. Higher ground. Thank you. 
It's pretty easy. 
You're going to follow this strange God we've never heard of? We don't want you working here anymore. You, you're, you're fired. They went, uh, and there were people who said, you know what? You're a threat to our religion, so we're going to beat you up. We're going to put you in jail. We're going to kill you. Uh, there were a lot of things these people went through. But having said all that, now that they, some time has passed, and, and Paul has is, is, heard from them, he sent Timothy, and he heard from them, he was encouraged, and now he's sending a second letter some months later uh, to encourage them more. This letter is really is, is broken up into three parts, uh, and we'll look at those three parts. It's it, it just by chapter, really, the chapters address three different things. And so we're going to look at this morning, so we're going to start off looking at that. But a pastoral word of comfort. This is really what, that's really what this, this first uh, chapter is about. It's all about uh, trying to comfort them in their tribulation. <clears throat> then we get to the second chapter. We're going to look and we're going to see that they had confusion again about the day of the Lord. And we're going we're to clear that up uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. And then we'll come to the last chapter, which is really about uh, they had an idle problem. And it wasn't an I-D-O-L problem. It was an I-D-L-E problem. There was nobody wanted to do anything. Nobody wanted to. Nobody wanted to lift a finger to uh, make their life any better. Didn't want to help each other out, and so he had to deal with some people about that. But we're going to look this morning. Let's get into it. I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to rush through this. Uh, we're going to go slow, and we're going to get everything we can out of every bit of it. So uh, let's begin with this morning. Let's look at verses one through six, which is what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, did I say one through six? Maybe one through five. Let me back up here just to make sure. Let me back up just a second. I went all the way to verse 6 or not. No, I didn't. I went to verse, yeah, stopped on verse 5. So we'll go through verse 5 this morning. We'll look at the rest of it next week. All right. So let's get into it this morning. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, and to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all aboundeth toward each other, uh, toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endured, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. And may the Lord add his blessing this morning to the reading of his word. And let's go to him in prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm thankful this morning that the preaching word of God. Father, I pray that you put your hand upon me. And I pray, Lord, that you use me this morning. Father, please take control of me. Take control of my lips. Take control of my mind and my heart, my being, Lord. Steer me and guide me for your glory. Speak through me the words of God. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, just totally, just uh, totally control me. Father, I want to be exactly what you want me to be. Lord, I want to speak to the people, Lord, and give them exactly what they need. But, Father, I can't do a thing without you. I know that. I need you. But, Lord, I pray you take control. Forgive my sin. Cleanse me. Remove anything that would hinder the power of the message coming forth. Lord, I pray for each one under the sound of my voice that the Spirit of God would move and stir in their life. Lord, that the Word of God would, would ring through, would resound in their life, and Lord, draw them to a deeper experience with you. Father, help them to see this world and 
all the troubles of it for what they really are. Lord God, I pray you'd help us now. Help us to step beyond ourselves and look back and see what you're doing. Lord God, we just ask you, please, work in our lives today. Work in the lives of the people that will listen in and hear our broadcast. Father, we're thankful for all those who, who tune in to hear us. Lord, we hope that they hear from you. We ask now that you work and move in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, again, let's get right into it. We're going to take our time. We're not going to hurry. I don't see any reason to. But this letter begins with a greeting, a salutation. And he just starts out, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, under the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it, it really, it opens practically word for word the same as the first letter that he wrote. Silas is called Silvanus here, and Timothy, uh, both of them, they joined in Paul's greeting in this letter, just like they did in First Thessalonians. You know, Paul and Silas, they brought the gospel down there to them in Thessalonica, and then Timothy had gone back and visited them to encourage them in their trials. Don't write them a letter without telling them I said, hey. You know, I want them to remember. I was down there and visited with them, and I know their heart was with was with Timothy. And so there was love there between this, these people and this church. This is not just a this is not just a, a form letter. This is from the very heart of one who had labored and shed his blood and and and, and gave of his life, gave everything he had for these people. I, I don't want us to ever forget that as we read this, because if we're not careful, sometimes. Uh, sometimes things just kind of get us cold, and there, there's not any life in it. But I don't want that to happen as you read this. I want you to, to read it. Put yourself there as we're reading it. Put yourself in that situation. Imagine what it would have been like for you to live in those circumstances. We take for granted all the blessings we have here in America. We get up, <coughs> hop in our car, and take a leisurely drive to church and get out and greet everybody. We don't worry about somebody coming up and beating us over the head for, for, for coming to church. We don't worry about leaving here or showing up at work on Monday and somebody saying, you know what, you go to that church down there, you're fired. We don't worry about coming home and somebody saying, get out of here, don't ever come back. You're a Christian. We don't want you here anymore. But these people were living under the circumstances. And Paul, Paul, knowing that they were going through it, he did not want them to give up on the Lord. And that was his fear, I think, is that they would give up on the Lord and quit serving God because of troubles. And I tell you, it happens sometimes. It, it really, it, uh, troubles are oftentimes uh, the measuring stick to see if someone is saved or not. Because, and, and, not, and not always. Because I know there are people that are saved, but their faith is not very strong. And, and when something comes and attacks them, they'll, they'll backslide for a while, or they'll, get, they'll, they'll just get away from God altogether for a little while. But, but the one who's close to the Lord, it's a different story when you go through hardships and trials. But um, that's what we're going to look at this morning, is, is those in, them enduring those trials. <clears throat> Again, and Paul, and I want you to look at there in verse, in verse 1, Paul mentions, he says, unto the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and, Lord, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's worth mentioning that, that he's reminding us that a church is the people. It's not the building. You know, people drive by this building, all the time. They don't know how full it is or how empty it is. Listen, it's the people. I mean, 
there's nothing sadder that I know of than driving by and seeing an old church building that's boarded up, that's no longer having service. Now, you can look at that and say, man, that's sad that they're not meeting there anymore. But you can't say that's sad because that church right there ain't having, that church ain't doing nothing. That church building ain't never going to do nothing. It's the people that come. It's the people that are a part of it. It's the people that work for God. That's the church. We can, we can meet the pup tent and have church. We can meet the set on walls and have church. Or they'll say, hey, uh, church is not the building. Thank God for the building. But it ain't. People say, where is your church? Well, I can't tell you because it's scattered out all over Red River and Lamar City. I don't know where they all are. But my church does not reside at 303 Short Street in Clarksville, Texas. I can tell you that. This is just the building that we meet in. The building is nothing. It's only the people that matter. And again, they are said to be, notice he said, in God our Father. In God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, even though these Christians were down here on earth and they're going through a great trial and going through great afflictions, even though they find themselves in the reality of, of, of literally hell on earth, that's what they will, they will probably tell you it was like, trying to live in those circumstances, even though they're going through that, their position before God is the same as all other believers. They're secure in Christ and in the Father, even though down there you might look at their life and say, man, wow, look at what they're having to go through. This is horrible. Uh, Where's God? Oh, they're in God. They're in God and in Christ. They have, so, they have, they have something that you don't understand if you, if, if, from the outside. I say you, but an unbeliever would not understand. They secure in Christ even though their outside circumstances are dire. But notice that it says they're in God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You can go all over the world, you can find all kinds of religion, but you won't ever find one like this. Because nobody ever says that somebody is in Buddha. That's so and so is in Confucius. Or, or you never meet a Muslim who says, I'm in Allah. No. I'm in Muhammad. No. But I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. You're in Christ. Amen? That's different from every other religion all over the world. We are in a sustaining union with Christ. He is our life's blood. He is our everything. We are not, he says, without me you can do nothing. We are nothing without him. But we are not, not only do we have him, we are in him, praise God. It's a marvelous truth that we as Christians have an unchanging position in Christ, regardless of what circumstances are going on in our life, regardless of whether or not we face trials in our life or we face joy in our life. It doesn't matter. It, those things happen to us, but those things don't change our, our standing in Christ Jesus. The fact that we are in Christ, it continues unchanged throughout all our lives and into eternity. Throughout all eternity, without end. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 is Paul's trademark apostolic greeting. He gives this all the time. It says, Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you can look throughout the whole Bible. But it would be hard to find two words that had more meaning than those two words. Grace and peace. Shalom and 
cherish. I think that is the two Greek words for it. But they represent, look at what they represent. They represent God's answer to man's greatest need. Grace, which is the relationship between God and, and individuals, it's established and based on the fact that Christ died for sinners, resulted in God's unmerited favor, God giving to sinful people the opposite of what they deserve. Grace gives eternal life. It gives blessing and promises joy throughout eternity instead of judgment. And that's what we all deserve, is God's judgment. Praise God. That's what I needed. I needed grace because, listen, I was a sinful creature. I was I was eat up with sin. I I. I I, I, was a, I was a horrible hellbound sinner, but God gave me the opposite of what I deserved. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm thankful that I don't get what I deserve. I don't know about you, but I, I, at least I feel that way. I'm sure you feel that way. Boy, if we got what we deserve, we'd be in a mess. Hallelujah. God, his wonderful grace. That's why John Newton wrote that song, I may you be grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I feel bad for people that don't understand grace. I really do. I feel bad for people that are scared that they're not working enough to go to heaven. Uh, you know, those people miss grace because if it be of grace, then it's no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. That's what the Bible says over in Romans. And if it be of works, then it's no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. You can't have both of them. Dr. Law and Dr. Grace are opposed to each other. It's either works or grace. If you have to do it all, you have to keep it all, and you can't do it. None of us can. The only one that could is Jesus. So we have to have that grace. That's all that we can rely on is the grace of God. And Paul, again, offers that word from God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And he couples grace together with the word peace. Again, that's the, that's the Hebrew word shalom. I don't know about you, but I, my heart longs for peace. I want peace. I want peace in my in my home. I want peace amongst my family. I want peace in our church. I want peace in my community. I want peace in my country. I want peace in the world. But you know what? I realize that ain't gonna happen while I'm here. Uh, you know, I can have peace in my home. I can I can have peace in my family, maybe. And that only comes if if we're if we're walking with the Lord, because outside of that, there's nothing but turmoil. But but there's a lot involved in that word peace. I mean, we all have peace through God, with God, rather, through the Lord Jesus Christ, and the death of his, his death on the cross. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We used to be at enmity, the Bible will say, with God, or that means a standing of hatred against God. But, but praise God, all that's been put aside, and we're now, instead of being objects of hatred, we're objects of favor. God looks at us and loves us because of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did. And everybody, every Christian, every person who's been washed in the blood can have the peace of God in their life. You know, when, when a Christian is, doesn't have peace, it's by choice. You choose to, you choose to, to, to leave the peace of God and, and to give it to cause turmoil and unrest in your life. But praise God, we choose peace when we get close to God. Because when we get next to God, you can't help but have peace. There ain't, you can't help but have peace in his presence. 
you know, because you know what, you can sin can't stand in His presence. That's why that's why a person wanders from God when they get in His sin, because again they can't stand in God's presence. There is no peace if there's sin in between. That's why it's got to be confessed and out of the way. But we can have that peace. Philippians four seven says, "On the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus." It passeth all understanding. And that's probably the kind of peace that Paul's referring to here in, in our passage when he says grace and peace to them. Why? Because they're going through some stuff. They're going through trials again that they don't understand. They're going through stuff that they've never that they, they probably didn't anticipate. They never expected. And, and they weren't prepared for. And he wants, Paul wants them to realize that, that, that not only is everything right between them and the Lord, don't take all the stuff that's going on to you as a sign that everything's wrong because it's not. But, but also realize that, that you're going to experience God's peace in the midst of these trials and these afflictions that you're going through. Paul's reminded them that even though they're going through troubles and even though they're going through persecution, they're still, nevertheless, still on the receiving end of God's wonderful grace and his satisfying peace. That's what Paul meant when he said, I'm persuaded that neither height nor depth or, or you know, you know how it goes. I ain't got to quote it all to you. All those things, none of that can separate us from the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. And, and again, he's just, he's just saying it to them in a different way here in this passage. He's reminding them, again, no matter what you're going through, God's grace is with you, and God's peace is with you, even in the midst of your trials. Look at verse three through five. He began. He, he, Paul's giving thanksgiving. He's thanking God for for these believers, and their their faith continues to grow in spite of all the things that's happening to them. Uh, their love continues to grow in spite of all these things that are happening. Let's read three through five. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and that the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith, in all your persecutions and tri tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. Just like Paul did the first time when he wrote the first letter, he praises them. He's praising them again because they're faithful. You know, somebody said, now man may not be much. He can be faithful. So I ain't got a whole lot of ability. Well, you can be faithful. That's a, you know, <clears throat> availability is the greatest ability. It's not the man who says, I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to do that for God. The man God's looking for is the one who says, God, I'll do whatever you want. It doesn't matter what it is. I'll do the little things that nobody even pays attention to. I'll do the stuff nobody thanks anybody for. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do those things for you, Lord, because I don't want anybody else to brag on me. I just want to serve God, You know, God looks down on the little things just like he does on the big things. To God, the little details are just as important as the great big things. But Paul's bragging on him. He'd got some good news from Timothy when he got back. 
And Paul wants to brag on them. He wants to he wants to encourage them and build them up. But notice what he says there in verse three. He uses some language that's a little interesting. He says, "We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet." That word "bound" that he uses. We we talk like that. It's kind of country talk. Well, I'm bound to do this. And I'm bound to do that. That we don't even really understand what we're saying when we use that. Because that word bound is a word for paying a debt. It means I owe it. That's what it means. I'm bound I'm bound to this to this right here. Uh, I owe it. So Paul's saying, I owe it to you to praise God and thank God for you. I owe it to you. Listen, and, and we ought to stop every now and then and just praise God for all that he's done in our lives. We owe it to praise God for what God has done. We are bound to praise God for what he's done, how he brought us from where we were last year, or the year before that, or the year before that. God is working in our life. He's he's doing things in our life. I mean, anybody raise your hand and say, God worked in my life last year? Huh? Anybody? Okay. Well, praise God. Listen, we, all, we are bound to give thanks. We are bound to brag on God for what he's doing in our life. We don't not just do that about our life. You know what, every now and then we ought to look around and see others that God's working in their life and thank God for their growth. Amen? Because this ain't all about us. We're all in this thing together. We're all members of the body of Christ. Uh, listen, <coughs> I, I remember watching years ago, watching a funny video. And it was a muscle guy. And uh, he said, in his chair, he's being interviewed. I think it's an old progressive commercial. And this big, huge, burly muscle builds a muscle guy. And he's sitting there, and, and about halfway through it, I noticed his legs are scrawny. Somebody said to him, said, you skip leg day? You know, he's like, he has regular legs, but a great big upper body. You know, that's kind of the way we are. We just say, be just serving God. We forget. We forget leg day. We forget to thank God for other people and what they're doing. We, we, we we're so busy working on us. <clears throat> Stop and praise God for those around you. Again, we're all part of the body of Christ. You can't neglect one part of the body. It all works together. So again, you say, why is it so important to brag on somebody and encourage them? Because you want them to get stronger. Amen? I don't know if you've ever played the tug of war before, but I can promise you this, you'll do better with strong people on your side than you will weakly. And we're in a battle. We're fighting a battle. We're, we're, we're battling against the evil of this world. We're in a spiritual battle, and you want strong people on your side. You want strong prayer warriors. You want folks that are strong in the word that won't be easily uh, uh, turned away from the truth or confused. You want to encourage people to grow. <clears throat> Sometimes we forget to thank God for the things that he's done for us and for others. We ought to take time to do that. Two things caused Paul's thanksgiving, though. One of them was their faith. And the other was their love, and both of them were growing. And you got to remember, these people had only been saved for a few months. Just a few months, moment on, they believed in Christ. They believed in God. They believed in what He said. So Paul said their faith grew, but but our salvation doesn't grow bigger. You can't. I mean, I, how's your salvation? Well, it's getting bigger. No, it ain't. It's the same as it ever was. Right? You can't get more saved than you did. I mean, I know people try. I know people that come to altar every Sunday trying to get saved, more saved, to get saved again. You can't do that. They don't do it here, praise God. But they do in some churches or some outfits. They call it some churches. 
if you don't believe the truth, then I don't want you to church. But there's some places where they, they preach the Bible or where people try to get saved every every week. That ain't salvation. You ain't got it if you lose it every week. I heard a story about an evangelist preaching a Bible meeting, and every, every night this man come running to the altar and weeping and wailing, Lord, fill me! Lord, fill me! That week, I mean, all night, every, every night of the revival, every night, all the altar weeping, Lord, fill me! He came down front. He Lord, please fill me. And the man just said, Lord, don't fill him. He leaks. He leaks. <laughs> you know what? We need to <laughs> praise God. Listen, I think well, when I got it, I can't lose it. Amen. I'm, listen, I know he's, I know I told him it was a matter. He told me he wanted the fullness of God. But listen, we need to be encouraging, lifting one another up, working together, trying to uh, get stronger as a church, as a church body. And and our faith needs to grow. He's not talking, again, not talking about the, the reality of their faith, whether or not they're saved, but he's talking about their faith was growing exceedingly. It was enlarging. Uh, few things are more exciting when you see somebody who's starting to grow in their faith and they're starting to take off. She's not here this morning, but I, I tell you, I'm going to brag on Jackie. I'm blown away by that teenage girl. She... She hit me up with questions this week. What was it? Uh, she was asking me, is astrology sin? Yeah, give her advice on that. Is superstition a sin? She's hitting me with all kinds. I mean, just hits me about five, six questions a week. That, I mean, she, she hit me with one, that verse over in John chapter 10, where he said, uh, where Jesus said, you know, it said in the words, you're God. And she's like, what in the world? I mean, hard stuff. It's stuff you can't just answer in five minutes. I mean, listen, I'm excited when I see people get in the Word and get to grow in it and start saying, what is that? I need to know what this means and, and want to find out. Listen, we ought to all be hungry students of the Bible and growing in our faith. <clears throat> Paul said their faith is growing exceedingly. And only a few, again, only a few months saved. <clears throat> so how is it possible for somebody's faith to grow? How do you grow your faith? Two words in the songbook. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And as we go through life as Christians, we learn to trust God. You have to. You just simply have to. And we find by experience time and time again that God is altogether trustworthy. God will never let you down. And we can trust him not only with, with our eternity, but we can also trust him with our now and now, with what's going on in our life right now. There's nothing that comes into our lives that God can handle. So in other words, it's possible to grow our faith and grow in faith as, as our trust in God increases and expands through situation after situation that we go through and he delivers us from and gives us the victory over. Some Christians are are perfectly willing to trust God with their eternity. So I know I'm saved, I know I'm going to heaven, but i got a lot of problems in my life, and I'm coming apart at the scenes. They can't trust him with today. Today and tomorrow seem too big and overwhelming to give to God and trust that he's going to work all that out, but I'm worried about eternity. Now, he, he got that. They said it don't make a bit of sense. If you can trust him with then, you can trust him with now. <clears throat> but that's human nature. That is nothing but human nature, and that's what human nature will do. 
But these, these folks at Thessalonica, they're in a position where they had to trust God. They had no other option. There was, there was no other choice. They were constantly in danger of losing their lives. I mean, you know, you, you cross the wrong person, you get the wrong person mad at you, and they just, they just lost their life. It was always to it. But even in that kind of situation, even though, under those circumstances, their faith continued to grow. But that's what trials are designed to do to us. We don't go through trials because God likes to sit up in heaven and watch us suffer. I know some people kind of get that idea. Oh, God just wants me to have to go through suffering down here. No, God wants you to get closer to him. God wants you to become more than what you are, what you can see yourself being. God wants to use you, and you don't want to be used. And so God has to shake us to our foundation sometimes to make us realize, hey, this is not my life for me. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus. I have an eternal home. I have a future. I have a, I have a purpose. Sometimes God has to get our attention, and he has to take us through these things in order to, to change us, to make us what he wants us to be. <clears throat> Romans 5, 3 and 4. The Bible says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. When troubles come to your house, do y'all have a party about it? When the bottom falls out, do you cheer? what Paul's talking about, though. I know it don't sound right. You see, everything everything in this world is upside down. Everything we've learned naturally from, from earthly people, which we are, all we know, you fall apart when something bad happens, you cheer when something good happens. But again, God's ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. And Paul says we glory in tribulations. We glory when everything falls apart. We, we have a party. Now, why, Paul? is knowing that tribulation worketh patience. So if I go through these hardships, I don't know how long they're going to last. They can last a long time. I don't know how tomorrow's going to turn out. What am I going to do? Guess I have to trust God. Guess I just have to do. I guess all we do is pray hope for the best. Sometimes we heard that or said that. I guess I've heard so many country people say it like it. I reckon all we can do is just pray, baby. That's all we can do. Well, that's the best thing. To do. I thought you should have done first. That was the first thing on your list you should have done is prayed about it and went on with a smile on your face. You know, Jesus talked about when when somebody's fasting, they're not to they're not to make their face all sad and put ashes on their head, walk around gloomy. I'm oh, fasting today, it's terrible, y'all. No. He wants you to wash your face and smile and be happy. It's the same kind of thing when you're going through these troubles in life. He said, because it works patient. You say, what? What does that mean? That means I am depending on God to get me through this because I won't make it any other way. And when I and, and 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 I'm learning to wait. I'm learning to trust. I'm learning to keep looking for the answer. Patience. If nobody's ever told you this, let me be the one to tell you. Don't ever pray, God, give me patience. You are saying, God, bring trouble on my head. That's what you're saying when you say, God, give me patience. I never pray for patience. Amen? I pray, Lord, help me understand. Don't, I don't want patience. 
Uh, listen, I, I, I hope I got some, amen. But if I don't, I'm, I'm sure God will take me through some more trouble to teach me some. But the Bible says patience. Patience works experience. What does that mean? I mean, well, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I trusted God, and God, it took him, It took God more time to move than I thought it was going to take. I didn't know God. I, I, I was times where I questioned, God, how long is this going to take? But God came through. And I look back now on my experience, and I have gained that experience that God will not leave me. I have gained the experience that God will answer with an answer that's better than I even thought it would be. I have learned that God don't ever mess up. I have learned to trust God when I can't see God. That's experience. And what does experience do? Experience creates hope. You say, hey, it's going to be all right. We're having some trouble with this, but it's going to be all right because God helped us last time. God will help us this time. God won't let us down. That's exactly why Paul is bragging on them. That's exactly why he's excited about these believers because, again, they're just going through the process that every believer goes through. <clears throat> so a good question for each of us to ask is, how is my faith? How is your faith? Is your faith growing? Do you trust the Lord more now than when you first got saved? I would hope to say all of us. I would hope all of us would say yes. We certainly should because we should have experience by now. Don't make no difference how long you've been saved. You've been saved any late time. You should have experience, more experience than you had in the beginning. Paul also praised them for their love which he said was increasing. You know, trusting the Lord is one thing. A lot of people trust the Lord. But having a true love for our brothers and sisters in Christ is another matter. You know, you find churches, man, where you got a bunch of people in there, and they're so, so keen on making sure they're right. people that are hard and stern, so hard and stern that they ain't got no love. Now, I'm not telling you we need to get away from the truth or we need to distance our truth. No, don't take me wrong, but I'm saying you can get so caught up in defending the faith that you forget the love of the faith. In everything in the Christian life, there must be balance. We fall sometimes in the direction of our strengths. You can be so strong in an area that, that you, you, it becomes a, a detriment to you and others. <clears throat> the Bible tells us that in the Thessalonian church, they not only increased in faith, but again, they, they, they loved each other, and their love increased. But hardships and trials, I mean, that has a way of bringing people together. When you're going through some, you know, mom's got a book at her house. She used to have it on the coffee table. It may still, I don't remember but it's called We Had Everything But Money. It's about the Depression. Had everything but money. You know, and you flip through that, the pages of that book and you see people in there, and no, they ain't got no rich, fancy homes, and they ain't got much, maybe they ain't got much to eat. They, they're eating goulash and weenies and beans, but you know what? They got a smile on their faces, and you can see in the pictures that there's love in that home. Again, money ain't everything. Hardships, 
again, you begin to lean on each other and, and trust one another and, and help one another and work towards something together when you ain't got much, when you got to stretch everything to make it do. You learn to be resourceful, and you learn to take care of those around you. And when everybody's doing that, a community thrives. That's the way people used to live, and I know y'all know that. But there's people listening in, they ain't got a clue. They just grew up yesterday. They ain't got a clue. They're born into this world the way it is now. They don't know a world where, where people looked out for one another, checked on one another. Uh, they don't They don't know about that. <clears throat> but that's the way it ought to be. That's the way God had meant for it to be. <clears throat> so their love was increasing. And again, all this persecution they're going through is increasing their love. And, and again, in many ways, this church was an ideal Christian church, the way it ought to be. And that's why Paul said he was able to glory in you and the churches of God. Wherever I go, any church I'm in, I can point back to that church of like and say, hey, those people back there, you don't have any, any idea what they're going through, but they love the Lord, and they got faith that he's going to take care of them. He said, I like to brag on it, to glory in you and the churches of God because they've been faithful through the persecution, and their love continued to grow. And he used their church as an illustration. Uh, he talks about patience. He talks about, he, he said, I'm on glory in the churches of God for your patience. That, that, that word is a significant word in the New Testament. Because, that, again, that word, it means endurance. Uh, Strong, Strong's had a footnote. It, it says, it describes the characteristics of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. But the person who is patient, person who's learned patience, they endure. And they keep on carrying the load that's been given to them. They don't lay the load down and say, well, I, I had some hardships now. I guess I can't carry this load no more. No, they, they just adjust themselves to the circumstances and they keep on going. So, yeah, maybe this is hard. I need to sign up for all this. But this is this is what this is my cross to bear. And God's going to give me enough strength and grace. And he'll, I'll just, Lord, adjust that load where I can carry it. And I keep walking. That's what Paul's talking about. He's glory in God for their, glory in the Lord for their experience. They're described as having a testimony that continued to grow. But people were hearing about them everywhere. And, and a love that increased, and their love abounded, and a steadfastness that continued. In other words, these people weren't wishy-washy. They were, they were as a woman I used to have in North Carolina, she said, she, they, they're hanging in there like a biting sow. Now listen, they, they ain't letting go like a snapping turtle. They, they like stone, amen? They've made up their mind, regardless of what goes on around them, they're going to serve God. These three words, these three words that I'm about to give you, they they hearken back to in the in the first book, First Thessalonians one three, where Paul said, "Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father." Now he wrote that right after being there the first time. That they were strong in faith, strong in love, and strong in being steadfast. And that was a powerful testimony. And now it's gotten stronger. 
and he's bragging even more on them. And you know what? That's an example for us today because our world's changing. Things are going going haywire in our nation, and, and it's going to continue to because the judgment of God is upon our nation. And God has is, God is, is brought it upon us because we brought it on ourselves. God, God has brought us exactly what we've asked for. And so as things begin to get increasingly more difficult, and they will, you know, we need to, again, it wouldn't be a bad idea to look back at this church and say, you know what, if they made it through what they're going through, we'd stay in church. Going, we can keep tithing, we can keep, we can keep serving, we can keep living for Jesus, we can keep witnessing to people. Even if people tell us to shut up, even if people tell us we can't, we can still keep meeting and doing what God told us to do regardless. If they can do it, we can do it. And I know this, I'm saying right now, if they, if they were paying if you some kind of ruling that says churches are closed indefinitely, there'd be a bunch of people that wouldn't even meet no more. There'd be a bunch of pastors who'd lock it up and say, well, I guess we'll just have to do what the government says. That wouldn't happen here. That wouldn't happen here. Listen, I serve God. I don't serve government. But I don't mean to go down that road this morning. I'm almost done. So, again, they're a powerful testimony. They're a powerful example. But then Paul's going to take and contrast their situation with that of those that are persecuting them in verse 5. Listen to what it says, verse 5. Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. Manifest token. What does that mean? Well, manifest the list of things that are on ship. Okay, that means all the all the, the goods that have been brought in and put on the ship. That's the, that's the manifest. It's evident that you're. So you bring it. You, you present your your receipt or your invoice and say those are my things, and you that's it right there. Paul says this is evidence. This is evidence and proof of the righteous judgment of God that you're counted worthy to suffer for the kingdom of God. He's teaching a profound principle. It's not stated uh, explicitly in this verse, but what he says for the Christian, the present age that we're going through, the present age they were going through, maybe a day of suffering and trial and temptation right now, but in the future the glory is going to be ours. Listen, these people down here that are, that are causing you grief, they think they got it made. They think they're making your life miserable. I mean, listen, whatever you got to go through right down here is not, nothing compared to what you're going to go to. I mentioned this the other night. But Jesus, when he, what he went through, he's the pattern. He suffered first and then received the glory. The cross came first, then the crown. But the pattern for the world is the opposite. The ideal for the world is to eat, drink, and be merry now because tomorrow's coming. Suffering's coming. And we know that. So live it up now. Live for today. Do as you will to be the whole of the law. That's what the wicked, devilish world says. Do whatever you want to. Whatever feels good, do it. But no, that's not the life of the believer. See, Again, the world does that because they're putting, they're kicking the can down the road. They're saying, you know what? I'm not gonna worry about that now. I ain't worried about what's coming. I just, I'm just gonna have fun right now. Someday we'll worry about that Sunday, but that Sunday 
street preacher from Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, preached a message, Payday Sunday. There's a day coming where they're going to meet up with their sins. And I said the other night, this world right here we're living in is the best it's ever going to be for an unbeliever. This is heaven for an unbeliever, if you can imagine that. That this is all the heaven they'll ever experience. But guess what? This is all the hell you and I will ever have to experience. This is the worst it's ever going to get for a, for a Christian is down here right now. And the Thessalonians, they were going through severe trials. But it was a powerful evidence to them of their future glory. That's why they were suffering, because of Christ. But because of Christ, they had glory waiting on them. And the very fact that they're going through these trials caused by these people, these persecutors, was a sign that the persecutors are going to be tried and judged in the future. And the result for these Christians would be that they'd be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which they were suffering. John sixteen thirty three. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I used to watch a guy, gardener from down in Louisiana, and uh, he used to, he was a Christian man. He'd close off every little video he did with with this Cajun phrase. He'd say "lashpa." I had no idea what Lashpa meant. He passed away several years ago, and I realized he died and watched one of his videos, and he ended with Lashpa. I thought, I'm going to look it up. I looked it up. It means never give up, never let go. You know what? Paul's telling them, don't give up on Christ. Don't ever let go. Don't ever give up. Stick with it, because he's going to stick with you. Don't don't back up on God. Don't let tribulation cause you to panic, be like a chicken with your head cut off, turn into chicken little, skies falling, it's all going all to be rotten and no good from now on. Don't turn into a pessimist on God. Listen, we may go through some things down here, but it, it, it's only for a short while. What we got to go through down here is just a short while. Romans 8, 18, and I'm closing. For I reckon... I like it. Paul had a business out, I reckon. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen? Listen, no matter what you're facing right now, no matter what's going to come your way this year, doesn't really matter. God's got it. Always remember this. No matter what situation you walk into, God's seen it before you did. God's always known about it, and God's always had you prepared and planned to go through it. He didn't bring you to it to run from it. He brought you to it to go through it. Amen? Trust him. You need all his grace that he'll give you. You need all the peace that he, he can put in your heart. Determine this year that your faith is going to grow. Set to work about gardening in your life, in your spiritual life. Be a spiritual gardener. Work in it. Bust that soil that's gotten hard and crusted over. Turn it over. Stir your heart. Stir up the gift of God in you this year. Let God have you afresh and see what God can grow in your life. Let's stand together. 
we're going to have a song of invitation. Lord, speaking to you this morning, you just need to come and pray. Do this for the Lord. God will meet you there. God's got the answer for you this morning. God's got the Lord, that you just work in this invitation. Father, I just pray, Lord, for each and every one that's here. Father, I pray that you pray in our
go to the Lord and be dismissed. Richard, lead us in prayer.